All right. So, welcome. This is our this is our first inaugural episode of our yet to be named podcast. Um, this is something we've chatted about for a little while. I think it's been something that's interesting uh, for all of us because we feel like every time we the three of us kind of sit down and start chatting, we realize that there's a lot of interesting conversations of things that we would like to share and like to kind of sh uh, not only with our teams, but we think that could be really interesting for the community because since there's not a whole lot of user research podcasts out there at the time. So we wanted to give it a try and see if this is something that's fun because we all really enjoy having these deep philosophical conversations about user research. So I'm gonna kind of start things off. My name is Lainey Dixon. Um, I'm joined by my very lovely colleagues. So Olivier de Maillar and Seb Lortiz. Hey Lainey. <laughs> hey everyone. Hey, Lainey. So, we're going to kind of just get things started today. We're going to keep it pretty easy. We wanted to just kind of do introductions because I think something that's been really cool that I've really enjoyed working with the two of you specifically is kind of how we all got here. <laughs> we kind of have these very <laughs> different backgrounds. We studied different things and our kind of passion for games and user research and user experience kind of led us from these different paths to to where we are now. So I want to do a little bit of kind of just chatting of like what's what is your experience? What was your background before Ubisoft? Um, and then also kind of what you do here as well. So uh, Ollie, if you'll kind of kick things off. Okay, yeah, thanks Lenny. So uh, yeah, so um, I'm currently a user research manager at uh, Ubisoft uh, Montreal uh, User Research Lab. Um, I have a background in uh, social psychology, cognitive psychology, experimental psychology. I also have a master in, uh, in user research. Um, I started my career a long time ago. I think I've been in the field of user research for uh, over 15 years. Um, and yeah, I started my career in a company called uh, Amadeus. Uh, Amadeus uh, is a European company that basically hosts uh, databases for airline and is uh, producing uh, services, uh, booking services for uh, back in the days travel agencies. I don't know if uh, brick and mortar travel agencies still exist, but uh, they are still in business. Uh, so I guess they still have things to do. Uh, where I joined uh, a small user research team, I think were maybe six or seven, something like that. Um, half of them being UX designers and the other half being user researchers. So uh, this was my first job and uh, it uh, allowed me to hone my research skills, I would say, and also learn the ropes of what it is to uh, work uh, in big companies. Uh, learning, for example, that you need to be patient and that things take time <laughs> to evolve uh, in such uh, companies, um, which is basically the reason why I quit after five years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, we were in this kind of weird situation where at some point we had some consultants coming in the company and uh, explaining things to our stakeholders that we were trying to explain them for the past five years and they were literally drinking what they were telling and I was here hey I want to be that person because apparently this is how you go, how you how you you are being listened uh, in this field 
So um, I then decided to, uh, to 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 move to a consultancy company who have, uh, where I've spent uh, eight years. Uh, it was eight fantastic years because I got the chance to work on many many different projects. Uh, well, some of our uh, big accounts were uh, in the telecommunication industry, travel industry, and also the luxury uh, industry, uh, among other things. I mean, I worked on dozens, if not hundreds of projects, I cannot remember. And um, yeah, that really helped me develop client facing skills, uh, touch on every possible uh, research method that exists. And yeah, after that time, I started to get interested in the video game because the video game was one of maybe the last uh, things I didn't work on or entertainment in general. And I was really interested by uh, the challenges that this kind of research uh, is bringing because uh, in let's say, uh, classical user research, uh, you mostly work on uh, the holy usability, uh, which is basically, if you remember, uh, efficiency, effectiveness, and satisfaction, but satisfaction is usually the last thing that you want to check because as long as people can go to that website and buy whatever they were coming to buy, uh, you're pretty much okay. And I was very interested by the, 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 the new set of research questions that video game is bringing, especially as far as uh, uh, appreciation of the game, engagement, uh, toxicity. There were, it was like a, a, a whole lot of new uh, concepts and new things that I didn't work on uh, that was I was very interested in. And uh, this is how uh, I decided to apply to uh, Ubisoft. And this is how I got here. So that's me, basically. Amazing. I did. I I'll be honest. I didn't know all of that. Was <laughs> hey, that podcast then? Yes, yeah, so that was great. I learned a little <laughs> bit more. I knew about the consultancy stuff, but I wasn't. I didn't know a whole lot about kind of what came before then. So that was that was super interesting. So thank you, uh, Seb. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experience? Yeah, sure. Sebastian uh, Ortiz. So uh, I'm uh, lead. Uh, uh, team lead here at Ubisoft and uh, going after Oli is uh, it's hard <laughs> because he's a guru <laughs> in UX. <laughs> so my experience uh, looks like uh, very short. <laughs> it's okay, mine no, will be short, so I'll go last. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in the in the in the UX market for, for four years now. Um, I have a business background mostly. Uh, I did my bachelor and master master degree here in uh, HEC Montreal. So yeah, I have a really a business focus uh, with UX uh, at first. Um, I started working and studying in an applied laboratory uh, that used biometrics. So it's interesting to start UX directly using biometrics, uh, which is not usually the case, I guess, for most of uh, my UX fellows. So um, yeah, that was my first, uh, first experience, um, mostly working with uh, industrial pa partners uh, in the banking and insurance uh, companies. Um, so it was half research, half consulting. Uh, so we bring results to the companies. And at the same time, we used to write articles, uh, present findings in uh, journals, conference uh, to get uh, the most out of the data we collect, basically. And then I started working in uh, at Desjardins, which is a, uh, one of the famous banks here in, in Quebec. Um, and basically, we start um, 
not building the, 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 the UX practice because it already exists in the past, but maybe reshaping uh, the practice with uh, tools, process and methodology that were maybe more uh, up to date and having a, a team of researchers uh, working with uh, product manager, uh, product owners and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that, that was uh, part of my mandate and also conducting all the research that needs to be done uh, to get uh, high management adoption and uh, also uh, team adoption. So it was a, a long journey, super interesting, politically, politically interesting also. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, kind of politics. And um, yeah, so very, very nice and very interesting uh, uh, experience. and. So I worked there two years and, and then I, I decided to jump, uh, not again, uh, but jump uh, in a field that were uh, broader in terms of user, user um, question and uh, problematics. Um, because at the end of my journey at Desjardins, it was not always the same, but uh, you know, credit cards and uh, utilitarian uh, world and most more classic user research is uh, almost the, the same at the end. Uh, so you know what's going on. You know what will happen almost. You have say no more word, surprise. Say boring, Seb. <laughs> no, it's not boring because it's always different. But the, the, the topics are less, uh, uh, how do you say, entertainment. Uh, <laughs> Kind of uh, in entertainment, so I think that's that's fair enough to to say. <laughs> yeah, um, and so that's why uh, I'm here on that Ubisoft. Awesome. I mean, I guess I can I can finish yeah, up a little bit. What about you, Lenny? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I've I've got the, definitely the 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 least uh, kind of specific path. Um, I, I, I do feel like I kind of ended up falling into games a little bit later in, in my life. I've been working in games for about six years now. Um, I ended up starting kind of university much later in life. I, I'd spent a lot of time working in management, uh, human resources. I, uh, went to beauty school. So I, I, <laughs> I had a lot of different kind of working paths and levels of experience that kind of got me to the point where I was like, man, I should probably go to college and get a degree like for reals this time. So <laughs> I, I started university getting a business degree, working in finance. I was pretty positive. I was just going to like sell my soul and go work for Goldman Sachs and make a lot of money and just like be empty inside. But it was going to be OK. <laughs> um, quickly realized that that was not at all what I wanted to do. I'd taken a lot of different kind of psychology courses and I was really interested in just general psychology. Um, and then I got into like my research methods 101 class and they told us that we had to start picking career paths. And uh, none of That's the kind started. of- yeah, and then immediately it was like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> uh, none of them kind of seemed super interesting to me, um, but I always knew that games were, were something that was really intriguing. I think specifically for me, growing up playing games uh, with siblings, um, I was the youngest, so I became an expert in learning to get a lot of joy and entertainment from watching other people play games while my older <laughs> siblings played games. <laughs> and I just kind of had the unplugged controller. 
so I was always very fascinated by this experience of people playing games and playing the same game and uh, having these just wildly different kind of ways of understanding and kind of appreciating a game. So I opted to explore I didn't know it was games user research, uh, but kind of games and kind of the psychology of people that were playing games. I was very fortunate that I kind of ended up in a uh, design, a game design class actually, because I was like, I don't, I don't know where to start. This isn't something that we had at my university at the time, and so I ended up in a game design course. Chatted with the instructor a little bit, and I was like, you know, I want to find this kind of crossover between psychology and video games and he was like oh this is a thing that exists it's called games user research here's a few people that you should chat with uh i was super fortunate to meet a bunch of people uh way back early in my days of university that i mean a few people here at ubisoft david tisserand being one of them and really getting to know some people i was like hell yeah this is this is interesting this is what i want to do um couple months later, once I started realizing I wanted to get into games user research, I had the opportunity to open my own indie studio. Uh, so we created our own kind of game dev studio with uh, some of the instructors and professors at the university that I was at. And we started making games. And more importantly, we started making indie games that were highly focused around user research and really understanding how people were playing our games. And we ended up working on a lot of educational games, oddly enough. Uh, we got some grant money from the US Department of Education to make some different games. And it was a really cool experience. Um, I was doing a lot of that by myself. So I did end up being fairly self-taught, I guess you could say. I had a lot of cool people around me teaching. Uh, but I was fairly self-taught. Um, I got my bachelor's in cognitive psychology and was planning to move on to my PhD uh, when I met Phil LeDuc, the, the director here at Ubisoft Montreal, our lab. I met him at a random bar one night uh, at GDC and we started chatting and then he found me the next day on LinkedIn and was like, hey, don't go get your PhD come work for us. <laughs> and and I was like, head oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I want to get more experience and I want to get more education. And he was like, well, you can have the job now or you can have the job in five years. So it's, uh, it's up to you. So I ended up kind of picking up and moving here to Montreal. Uh, I started as, a, as an analyst and worked a few years on Rainbow Six Siege and then recently moved into a team lead position for our for our analysts. So it's been a really cool and I really enjoyed kind of the the experience of being here at Ubisoft. I think it's really interesting because we are such a big team that we do have the opportunity to work with a lot of people that have different backgrounds who maybe came from outside of games or came from academia uh, and kind of how we all kind of ended up coming together, right? I know all of you started touching a little bit on the fact that you kind of made that transition from more kind of classic or traditional research into games because it was a little bit of kind of a different medium. It was something that you hadn't worked on and said you touched on that as well. Um, I don't know if you can expand a little bit more, the both of you is kind of 
what what really drew you to what's different see i came from games basically like i i didn't have a whole lot of experience with that quote-unquote classic user research but i'm wondering what kind of brought you into that realm and then kind of wanting to make that switch to games let's uh let's uh step start for this time i right, let's go uh, <clears throat> There are a difference for sure uh, because um, you put in a position kind of the utilitarian world, uh, things that you need to do uh, basically almost every day, uh, uh, banking transfer, stuff like that, it's utilitarian. Uh, whereas <clears throat> the, the gaming industry is um, uh, entertainment so it's whenever you want whenever you feel uh in the mood etc it's not something that you are forced um but i would like maybe to to start with the the, the research mindset which is a common ground for uh, our discussion to me it's really the capacity um to translate a, a question and with my background it was a business question into a series of steps that leads you to an answer um, and using the most uh, efficient way of doing it. Uh, so taking it into account uh, a budget, a context, tools, your personal capacity to, to deliver stuff. Um, then to me, there is the user research mindset. Uh, so it's applying this philosophy uh, to the to human behavior question related. So considering all the bias that you that a human be being uh, uh, could introduce into the research. And then there is uh, the game user research mindset, <clears throat> which is to me the ability to transfer this knowledge, this user research mindset into the entertainment industry, which is uh, sometimes irrational uh, with human behavior that are hard to understand because of the cognitive and physical investment of of uh, our players into the game, um, so it may so the game the game user mindset to me the capacity to make it clear a clear analysis in this difficult environment, which is not rational, um, and I think this is the, the the most difficult thing to me uh, uh, with my experience and and what I see is to have a clear uh, a clear answer in, in the in the research. So I'm not sure what was the question at the beginning. <laughs> what are the difference? Yeah, what were, what are the difference between the more but classic I, I, research? I think you touched on it a little bit, right? It's kind of like mm. it's it's another layer almost in the way that you've described it. It's kind of building yeah, off of me, this yeah, idea. It's, it's just another another layer of um, difficulty, maybe I will say it like this. It's to um, be aware of this irrational uh, environment where uh, you work in. <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> All I don't know if Oli, you share my uh, perspective. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I'm just not sure what the original question was because I had a great story about how I got into research, but I'm not sure this is what you want to know right now. So. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I think, but I think that kind of goes into it, right? I think it's you both come from a little <laughs> bit more of that kind of classic background. And mm -hmm. I think it's what it what it kind of was enticing you to come into user research and the more even specifically like making that that 
leap from that more classic user research into games. And like Seb was saying, it's kind of this different level of kind of difficulty in a way of applying user user research mindset, which we'll we'll get to in a few minutes. But um, I think it's interesting to think a bit about maybe some of like the similarities or the differences that you felt when you made that kind of transition. OK, so we're talking more about the transition between user yeah. research and game user research. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel like um, maybe I'm going to repeat myself, but it's really about um, I, I mean, one of the big differences for me uh, between uh, classical user research and the game user research is that the classical user research is mostly I say mostly studying the cognitive brain. Um, when we do classical user research, we want to make sure that people can achieve the task that the system was designed to achieve. So this is more of a cognitive question because we want to see if people can interpret what is presented to them, can make the right decision that at the end uh, ends up in achieving the task. Um, what is interesting with video games and probably would be for, I don't know, uh, doing user research on other kind of entertainment for probably have the same question is that uh, there's a, a, a way uh, bigger focus on some more uh, emotional uh, and again, yeah, uh, somehow irrational aspect uh, of it because uh, you, you could have a game that is uh, very well designed uh, as far as usability goes, but uh, it could still be a boring game, you know? So uh, uh, th there's a lot about emotions, about perception. Um, and for me, that's the big difference. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, again, that's what uh, pushed me to do the, that transition because I, I was curious to know, how do we study these kind of things? Uh, what are the methods that are uh, that exist and that uh, are efficient to uh, uh, understand why people like a game, uh, what makes it fun to play, and these kinds of, you know, very broad concepts. How do we nail that down to a research that works and that can give a relevant answer to productions and uh, help them make games that are going to be successful? And I would say that uh, one of my surprise when I joined the industry is that, yeah, I realized that uh, we were not so well equipped to actually answer those questions. The, the methods were not so different from what I was using uh, as part of user as user research. You know, we were using Likert scales to ask if people uh, like the game, things like that. There was um, I think the, 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 the most promising lead about that was probably the, 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 the biometry, which I believe has a huge potential because this is a way to kind of grasp in an objective way how people are their biological state. Uh, so I don't, I'm not an expert, an expert so I won't uh, try to say things that are wrong, but uh, yeah, we can capture biological state and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that these can give information on how people kind of feel about, about, about a game. And uh, yeah, I, I think that was that's part of what has been so interesting working with the lab uh, over the past years is to uh, to think about those uh, difficult topics. Um, and you know, for example, uh, we are now trying to uh, make better use of uh, some motivational framework like the self-determination theory, and uh, how do we apply that to the games? How do we make this actionable for the productions? Um, and I'm I'm. 
I love method. I mean, I'm a I'm a method geek. I co I'm coming from an experimental background, so I love that. So I love just trying to know how to put things together to uh, get uh, a good answer to our questions. And that's that's one part because there are even some stuff that goes out, outside of that. For example, uh, I think uh, questions like uh, uh, balancing, matchmaking, these kind of, you know, multiplayer experiences. This is also another aspect that is not really cognitive, not really emotional. You know, that's kind of very specific questions to the industry. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, really, I like a challenge. So uh, I felt that the game user research uh, would provide a lot of new challenges that I didn't have to uh, tackle in my past life, basically. I think it's I think it's super interesting. I think that I've always been a little jealous because I guess I didn't really get that same kind of experience between the real kind of classic side of things. I, I did move more specifically into games. So even when I was studying psychology, when I was in university, it was really based on like I knew that I was going to go into industry. And even when I was in school, I I had my my studio and we were running research and so everything i was doing i was automatically already trying to make it into methods that were appropriate for games and understanding the players for the games that we were making and so i didn't really always have that perspective so it's been interesting for me working with both of you to kind of get your experience and your background with that because i think it brings a lot of really interesting richness to our team because we do have a quite a large team and people have a lot of varying backgrounds but i think this kind of leads into the main topic of things that we wanted to chat a little bit about today because we can i think we could probably do a whole series of episodes on like methods and how to carry things over from classic into games user research but something that we've shared a lot about is okay so if we kind of strip away the the more i guess quote unquote kind of hard research skills um you know when we're thinking more about the methods and applying those in the, the way that we all know that they need to be done um i think conversation that we've had as managers is really about kind of what is this kind of user research mindset and seb you started kind of touching a little bit a little bit on this and i think that this is something that we all like to sit down and like have real deep conversations about because I think it's interesting. And I think to give some perspective, um, you know, so Seb and I, we both have uh, different teams that we that we manage, um, but we work very closely together, obviously, to achieve the common goal. And, you know, so when we're, we're making these hiring decisions, or when we're thinking about how we want to bring in new researchers for our team, or even just educating our team at large, and even taking that and spreading that out to the production teams and our kind of partners that we work with, one thing that we've really kind of discussed a lot about recently is the games user research mindset. Um, so I want both of you to share a little bit about what you think this mindset is and why we start and why we kind of think it's important. Because I think we're gonna we're gonna chat spend the rest of the time kind of chatting around this because this is something that we've spent hours kind of thinking about more recently. I, if you so, want I can do a wrap up of, of uh, okay. Go ahead. before but uh, to me the, there is kind of three layers there is the, the research mindset which is the the, the general man, mindset that um 
that we should all have uh, or acquire if you want to break into the industry. Then the user research mindset uh, and then the game user research mindset. But to me, it's really important to have uh, the first layers before getting into the game user research mindset um, or the game user research industry. Um, because you have this general uh, mindset and overview of how to translate a question into a step of action to uh, have an answer. Um, and, and then you understand the specificity of uh, the user research, uh, uh, which is more uh, human behavior related, and then the game user research um, mindset. So to me, there is different layers and, and you need to go with the general and then uh, filter and, and go deeper into the game user uh, research mindset slash industry. Okay, so yeah, thanks for uh, thanks, thanks for asking the, this question and thanks for uh, your uh, your answer, Seb. Uh, yeah, I think it's it, it really makes sense. I mean, that's that's the, the the very reason why we're having why we decided to have this podcast because uh, the thing is, uh, user research game or game user research mindset for that matter cannot be summarized in one sentence. Uh, that's that we've tried. <laughs> we, we've tried. We've tried. We've tried. That's so we're gonna have a whole series of podcasts trying to turn it into a long story <laughs> because it encompasses so so many things. So um, I think one fundamental aspect uh, from my perspective of the user research mindset is something uh, when I refer to what you are just saying about if we forget about the methods and stuff like that, you know, is that uh, being a, a user researcher or a game user researcher, for me, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same. Uh, it's way more than running research. I think that's, that's the, the starting point of it because, um, uh, and it's a thing with uh, uh, many juniors, uh, including myself, uh, when I was a, a junior researcher, we just want to do research. We want to build a protocol. We want to have, uh, to be given objectives and to answer questions and produce a nice report and do recommendations. This is what we are, uh, or this is uh, at least what I was taught to do at school. Um, but. This is just one aspect of it. It's, it's a very important aspect. And uh, again, uh, being a, a method geek, I love that aspect. I love the, the, the aspect of research, but it's honestly, I think it's, yeah, maybe 50% of the job uh, at most. Um, because to, to, to really have this mindset, it's not just about uh, running uh, research is, uh, uh, may I say, uh, getting a kind of a higher state of consciousness of uh, what the project uh, is about. Yeah. It is, uh, okay, wh wh what is this project? What does this project, uh, what it is trying to achieve? Uh, um, and uh, how, how does it translate? Uh, what does it mean at the micro level? What does it mean at the micro level, you know? And we need to get this understanding and this requires a lot, a lot of communication and a lot of, understanding complex environments and how to best fit into that because at the end of the day um, we need to understand this to be able to decide how user research could and should contribute to the game success or to uh, the product success for that matter because again it's not just a matter of game user research and also uh, i think it's important to, uh, to 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 keep in mind that uh 
doing research or the, the final goal is not just to uh, give an assessment, but it's also to guide, you know, and to gain this kind of influence that uh, we are uh, striving to have on the projects that we work on. Um, yeah, we need to have this higher perspective because if we don't get that, uh, we are kind of offset uh, with uh, the, the, the stakeholders we are working on. And then we fail to uh, be there at the right time with the right answers that are going to benefit the project uh, the most uh, in its current context. No, so I think, I think it's interesting to think about you know, so you kind of mentioned like these layers, which I think, which I think is an interesting and a good way to kind of kind of grasp this, right? It's where you've got the mindset is kind of like the very top of the pyramid, where it's like the user research you have like kind of transcended a little bit. Um, and it's something that we've talked a lot about specifically because it is really the the next level of what we can of what we can do and what we can provide. And it obviously relies on a very strong foundation. So you do need to have the methods. You do need to understand kind of these more kind of cognitive questions that you're trying to to answer. And you do have to be able to have that respect and appreciation for the way that research should be run. Um, and then it's kind of this next step, right? So it's like we've talked a lot about before previously kind of thinking about a junior versus a senior researcher or kind of how do you kind of gauge this difference between the junior and the senior and we did end up a lot to land on this mindset because you can have someone that can run really really great research who can deliver a beautiful report that is all-encompassing of the objectives that the the team asked for but it might not ever actually touch on what they need and that's where we're trying to kind of go right you've touched a little bit on this kind of this influence and that's the the direction that we chat a lot about you know we're we're fortunate where the majority of our kind of analysts and researchers are embedded within a team so they do have very strong relationships with the production partners and they are working usually dedicated to a single uh, game or product or production and I think it's interesting to think a little bit about, you know, like, how do we end up getting this mindset and how do we start to kind of describe it, right? We've said that it's difficult to put into <laughs> the one sentence, but I think why you started to talk about this a little bit, Ollie, but I think it's an important thing to chat about is kind of why is this important? Why is this kind of separate idea of this this mindset in, why is that so important do we think Seb? Me? Seb? Seb? <laughs> you look like you're ready to say something go ahead, Seb, you're ready go ahead no no, no let's go on. okay so are we going to do politeness like that uh, um yeah. yeah why is it it's, it's, yeah it's 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 not such a, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't know what to say because, um, yeah, I'm a, why is it important? Because this is how we do help our stakeholders, you know, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's how, the, how we do help uh, best uh, our stakeholders. I think for me, uh, if, you, if you allow me, because I was thinking of that while you were talking, um, I, I think it starts uh, with the, the how you, we position ourselves uh, as uh, researchers with yes. our stakeholders. Um, because 
uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the, of the day, why is it important is for the quality and the relevancy of the work that we deliver to them. I think for me, that's that it, come, it boils down to that. But then uh, I think the, the way that we position ourselves with our uh, stakeholders is super important uh, because um, user research uh, in a company like Ubisoft and in many companies that have uh, in-house uh, user research services, it's a service. It's a service. And I've seen many people uh, misunderstanding what service means uh, when you are a user researcher. What I mean by that is that um, some may think that because they do what the production is asking them, they are actually doing their job. And they are not because, um, as you were saying earlier, um, you know, sometimes we do a report, but this is not really what they need. And uh, <clears throat> it's different being a service. Uh, it means to uh, do whatever is necessary to be uh, relevant as a service. And it certainly does not mean to do whatever our stakeholders are asking us. And as a matter of fact, um, we should never ever take for granted that what people or what stakeholders are asking us is what they need. Because there's this kind of weird thing about user research is that many people, if not most of the people you would talk to, believe that they understand what user research is, but very few actually do. So they have this kind of idea of, hey, I'm going to ask for a test because this is, this is what the user researchers are doing. But for example, uh, this is a very simple trick for uh, juniors is you do not say yes to a method. I mean, when you are asked about the method, you should have plenty of uh, red alerts that pop in your mind because this is not our role. Our role is to uh, answer their questions and to help them uh, phrase their questions in a way that is actually usable for, for us because they think they know, but they don't even know how to formulate. And it's not, I'm not blaming the stakeholders. It's just that uh, it's, it's, it's okay and it's normal. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we do understand what they really need and that we can then turn that into a research or a method, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this uh, stance that we have with the production is a key aspect of starting to have the right mindset. It's just don't take things that you hear for granted and just uh, question it, say, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for the project? Why is it useful for them? Why are they even asking me to do that? You know, this is the kind of stuff that we need to understand to uh, be uh, as efficient as possible with productions. I think that that definitely goes a lot in line with some of the things that I remind my team of quite regularly is that it's, you know, it's not about getting what they want or what they say they need. It's about understanding what decisions need to be made. And sometimes that's going to fall into a whole different realm of kind of questions that you will ask. And it's about being able to help them make those informed decisions. You may not necessarily always agree with the decision that they make based on the data that you provide, but it's helping them feel confident in those decisions and being able to take that step back and not always think about explicitly of, yeah, well, I'm going to run this method. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, think about doing these types of interviews and things like that does kind of go into that idea of 
yes, we are a service. We're there to support, but it's really going beyond and it's really looking at it's it's all well and good to kind of turn over exactly what was asked for, but that's not really where our real expertise can can help with is that it's it's more than just, oh, I checked all of the boxes that you that you gave me and thinking more about digging deeper into where they're going and what they're doing. And I think we will obviously we're going to take a little bit for granted here because of the way that our researchers are typically embedded within teams. However, I don't think this is exclusively something that lies with embedded researchers. I don't know what your guys' opinions on that are, but I think that it's not exclusive to people that are embedded. Oh, no, definitely not. Uh, I mean, uh, when I was a consultant, I was spending my days doing that with my uh, stakeholders and uh, we're not embedded. I mean, we're consultants, but it's, it's always the same thing. This is actually where I learned that uh, it's different to listen to what they say and do what they need. You know, this is, uh, this is uh, again, this is an advice that I would give to any uh, user researcher, no matter uh, if they're embedded, if they're uh, in the service in the company or even if they're a consultant. This is... All, all around the place. So where do you think that kind of click, like, where do you think that, when did that happen? Uh, for you mean to understand that? Yeah. Um, I think it took me a mentor to help me with that. I mean, I think I, I probably I probably knew somewhere that it was happening, but uh, from my personal experience, uh, it took me a mentor, and that mentor was the was my uh, manager when I was a consultant. That's that's the person who made me the the researcher uh, that I am right now, and that's why I honestly, even for juniors, I always highly advise them to uh, find the first job when they can work with more experienced researcher hopefully good ones, of course, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's, it's very important. Mentorship is very important, I believe, um, in our industry because, um, I mean, it doesn't mean that if you don't have a mentor, uh, you are going to become a bad user researcher, but it does help to have someone uh, who's been there, done that, and who can, uh, you know, uh, help you. Uh, acquire that mindset, mindset, ask the right question, uh, make sure that, as we said, you're actually answering their needs and not their, just their requests. And, and to jump in, in this topic, um, with my first layer of research, which is translate a question into a series of steps to answer, to have an answer, um, it really makes sense because usually um, project manager, project owner, they just arrive and say, hey, uh, uh, our user, uh, do they like my product or do they like my interface? Uh, okay, if I'm a bad researcher, I would go and ask my user, do you like it? <laughs> but that's not the question. That, that's not what they want to hear. And it's, it's uh, as you said earlier, it's not a matter of, um, of uh, skills or education about uh, the, the PM or the, the product owner. It's just that it's a, it's a fair question. Do they like it? And if they like it, they will buy it. Uh, they will use it. Um, but the real question is not do they like it. It's like uh, did they understand this specific part? Um, 
what's your specific KPI uh, if you want to uh, sell this product? Uh, should they use this path or this path? Okay, uh, what's your top uh, 10 action with your website uh, that we need to, to check? Um, for example, in the game user research, it's like, uh, okay, um, for this specific mission, should they go left, should they go right? Uh, this kind of question, and, and that's why, to me, it's the very first mindset a researcher should have. It's uh, never trust uh, a question or a method or something that is brought to the table. It's always being suspicious, and it's, for me, Oli said it was a mentor that uh, that. To me, it was really like a, a methodology course at the university uh, in research where the favorite game of the teacher was to break every research we uh, we provide. <laughs> That's one way <laughs> to learn. It was, it, it was always like, uh, okay, why did you do that? Uh, what did you take uh, this step? Uh, and why not this one? And you were like, uh, uh, okay, yeah, I could take these steps. And he was like, okay, no, but uh, I, I want your argumentation. I want you to explain why you go left or why you go right in this research. What is your question? I don't understand. Uh, what are your sources? <laughs> and you always like uh, it. It was a bit scary at the beginning, but it's the way you understand what is good and bad research, and always being suspicious with uh, methods and and outputs uh, already provided by a stakeholder. Well, that's interesting what you say because this is pretty much what my mentor taught me to do. You know, so I ah. think that's, that's <laughs> really good. So yeah, yeah. So I think probably your mentor was your teacher then, and that's good that you had uh, this uh, this uh, this good person. So I think it's interesting because it's like there was this moment of the a mentor kind of pushing and thinking, getting you to kind of think about kind of breaking down this, the what you were trying to do. But I think it's is it a given then necessarily that with experience that you will develop this mindset? No, not necessarily. And that's interesting because that, that's the reason why uh, don't don't take for granted that if you don't have a mentor, you're not going to have a good, uh, you're not going to be a good researcher because, uh, and that's going to, that's not going to make the conversation easier, but some researcher they have the mindset. They have it from the start. You know, they, they just understand what it is. I mean, it's 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 in there. I've seen junior, and I see okay, this person. I see how uh, they uh, behave, the kind of question that they ask, etc. They get it. They get it. And again, it's it's very difficult to uh, summarize in in a single sentence. But you can see that with some people, and with some people, you do not see that. And uh, again, that's been one of our uh, part of our ongoing discussion: is uh, how do you give the mindset to someone that doesn't have it? And I don't have a full answer to that. I think mentorship is probably one part of it. There might be other aspects. I don't think uh, just. Um, formal training uh, does that job, it can contribute to it, but I don't think there's a single bullet to 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 achieve that, basically. Yeah. It's probably, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe this podcast will help with that. <laughs> Ollie, you'll be able to just uh, give this information. I think, I think for me, I think, yeah, I think working with you, Ollie, I think that was a big point for me in really kind of developing out my own mindset and being able to kind of push things a little bit further. I think I probably had a little bit of that maybe all along. Um, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you you put me in situations that allowed me to kind of really see and explore that. And I think that 
it's it is interesting to try and now like okay so as a team when we're bringing in new members or just trying to kind of level up the offering that our that our current team has we have spent a lot of time thinking about like okay what is this kind of bigger bigger picture and maybe we can touch a little bit more on specific things i think one of the questions i wrote down which i think we'll probably save for next time is you know how do we educate not only just the the individuals and the researchers on our team but how do we educate the the production partners and the production teams about this mindset and yeah, two so, different things. <laughs> yeah it's very different right and so i think I'm not I'm not going to let us get into it today because I think it's going to be a really interesting one for us to kind of touch on later because I do think that it's uh, it is kind of two separate pieces and I think they they go very hand in hand but um, you know I think we'll probably end up talking a little bit more about how do we how do we achieve the mindset um, I think maybe some of the strategies and the things that uh, neither has worked for you I think one of the interesting things that both of you shared is kind of this mentor that tore things down a little bit and kind of said like, okay, you know, why are you making this decision? Why is this happening? And um, how that was a real kind of catalyst for you. So I want to continue to touch on that for a second, because I think it's really interesting to think about what types of questions that as a researcher, you can ask yourself to start thinking about how do you kind of tear down when you're when you're asking kind of research questions or you're presented with a team that's asking something specific of you, what are some ways or some strategies that maybe we can help think get people thinking about this, kind of tearing down your research and really kind of questioning the way that you're kind of putting things together? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting follow-up question because uh, when I compare Seb's experience and mine, you know, uh, I think uh, that's the, the the common point, right? I mean, someone yeah. explained us how to that we should question ourselves, but it's uh, it's one thing to tell it, but how do we question ourselves? Yeah. Uh, and again, there's no recipe here. Um, you know, I, I don't really know how to explain that because on my end, it's just I need to make sense of the conversation that I'm having with, with my stakeholder. I need to make sense and understand what they really want and what they're really trying to, 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 the kind of information that they are trying to get. And sometimes it's, it's, it's made even more difficult uh, because we don't speak the same language. Uh, yes. To to, to I was follow up on, uh, go on that. yeah, and to follow up on uh, on Seb's example, which was a good one. Uh, I have a fairly recent one uh, that would be uh, maybe relevant to share, um, because as you know, uh, we are now uh, starting to uh, work also with uh, our web services, so working on more uh, classical type of uh, user research. And uh, I got contacted by someone who, and basically the question was very uh, puzzling to me. It was, uh, uh, the, the, the original question was, hey, we, we want to know how people, how people feel when they follow that journey. You know, it was a, a purchase journey. And I was saying, how do they feel? Uh, so I guess uh, I said, uh, okay, I, I guess I'm going to bring the biometry expert because maybe they can help us with that. So we, we, we go to that meeting and it was a lot of discussion just to find out what they meant by how do people feel about that? And I was thinking, but what do you mean, Phil? Can you explain it to me? What exactly do you want to know, etc.? So we keep asking, you keep asking. And bottom line was they were just 
trying to, th their question was, how do people make the decision to make a purchase? If they have to select between two services, this was their question, what drives the decision-making process and does our website do a good job at helping them make those decisions, you know? So we really moved from a very fuzzy thing to something very more uh, concrete. And this is just a discussion and uh, you have, I mean, uh, as long as, uh, I mean, the way I do work, and I, I'm not sure this is the way that people work, but uh, as long as I don't see how the conversation I'm having can turn into something that I can run and provide relevant answers about, then the, the discussion is not over. I keep, I keep speaking yeah. because I still don't understand what these people need. And to me, because of my uh, business background, it's, uh, at the end of the conversation, I want to know, okay, what's the KPI, basically? Is it uh, quantitative, qualitative KPI, uh, whatever it is, but what do you want to measure at the end? Because uh, it's, it's hard to measure, uh, do people like? <laughs> so we need to have a, a common uh, way to measure and something we agree on. Um, and that, that is linked to your um, success metric, whatever it is, uh, could be NPS, whatever it is that your company or your production, your game is measuring. Uh, we need to agree on that what we are going is going to measure these specific uh, things. So that's maybe for specific discussion with uh, prod and stakeholders, but um, how do we get this mindset uh, from the beginning? For me, it was really uh, reading research articles and try to break them, uh, basically. Uh, search into the article and check, okay, what's going wrong, uh, what they want to hide, uh, stuff like that, what is missing. And so you understand what are the weaknesses of research, and then you start building a mindset of, uh, okay, this is how a good research is done uh, with uh, less limitation and, and less bias possible. And there are many, many uh, great uh, journals that provide a fantastic article to, to train uh, with that. And then, so that's maybe the theory and the practice. It's, uh, well, try to do this research again by yourself uh, with your own uh, tools and your own capacity, but do it, do it yourself and see how hard it is sometimes to, um, to do it in real life. No, I think it's I think that's a good point. I think it's it's really kind of investigating and understanding the research at your own kind of individual level, which I think is an interesting step that maybe we sometimes uh, gloss over a little bit where I think for me, when I'm always trying to discuss with my team, you know, it's really thinking about like, okay, it's the language that we're using. Ollie, you mentioned that a little bit, like we're speaking two different languages and we're definitely not going to get into that today because I want to cover that a little bit more for next time as well is we're trying to kind of bridge the gap between this very kind of heavy research language into almost a design language or depending on kind of what our partners, what their positions are, what they're trying to achieve and really trying to understand how to bridge that gap, right? It's not just that you, you as a researcher, you come in and you have you know, your full report or your methods and your findings and you have everything and then you come in and you're just like, okay, here, 
you know, you're basically handing them something that's in a completely different language than they might understand. Yep. And so it's, it, for me, I'm always feeling like, you know, I, even though I do have that research background and that kind of psychology background, I do feel like I end up sitting a little bit more on the design side of things because that's more the language that I'm trying to understand and appreciate and respect because I can translate the research speak into the language of my of my partners that I'm working with and trying to help them, the ones that are making those decisions. So I think that it's interesting to kind of think a little bit about Okay, so if we're kind of breaking down the research, it is this exercise of trying to put it into maybe more kind of common language a little bit, do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, again, as I like to say, uh, it's 50% research and 50% communication, uh, our yeah. job. And uh, I, I've seen so often, I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic because um, uh, our job uh, or part of our job is to make a product usable but we sometimes forget to make our research usable for our stakeholders, which is basically what we're talking about. Making a research usable for our stakeholders, speaking their language, being at the right level of details for their needs and plenty of other things that we can discuss next time. But uh, uh, I mean, communicating about research is, I think, as important, maybe even more than uh, the research itself because, uh, it's kind of a shame, but someone who is doing an absolutely terrible method, but is very good at communicating the results that might not be good results. I mean, if they're good at communicating them, they will have more influence than someone who is top notch on the method, but cannot communicate properly to their stakeholders. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that you know we're we're running a little bit out of time for today, but I think this this is a good kind of place to stop because I think I want to pick up a little bit on this important of the importance <laughs> of communication and and kind of speaking the language and kind of having this research language versus maybe the design language or your kind of your partner uh, what their language is. And I think that you know and integrating a little bit what you were saying, Seb, as far as like okay, well, what do you want to measure? What are those KPIs? And being able to translate that into something that they understand and they will be able to anticipate kind of what the outcome is or what that deliverable is going to look like. Uh, and I think that's this kind of whole piece of communication is a really uh, kind of foundational part of this mindset that we've been chatting a little bit about. So I'm going to I'm going to cut us off there for today. <laughs> and next time Thanks, we're, go we're going to chat Thanks, a little bit about the importance of communication. So yeah, thank, thank you. you, both you. It was excellent chatting and uh, we will We'll catch up with it uh, very soon. Cool. Thank you. You there? Bye. <laughs>